Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on the 24th of February, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank with the Friday podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. They're online at ffbt.com. Coming up today, Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller have the news, including a look at the markets one year after Russia invaded Ukraine and an uptick in apps for the Purdue Vet School. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has some dry days ahead until Monday. Thursday, corn and beans sold off. Mike Silver analysis and an Indiana dairy download is coming up on the Hoosier Ag Today Friday morning podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. One year of Russia in Ukraine and addressing the vet shortage. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and this is Hoosier Ag Today News, brought to you by McDonald's of Greater Indiana and Southwest Michigan. This FFA week, McDonald's is proud to salute the next generation of farmers from the Hoosier State. It was one year ago today that Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine. It's a war that many thought would only last days or weeks, but has lasted now for 12 months. C.J. Miller reports on the war's impact on the ag market. Quite honestly, I would not be surprised 12 months from now if we're still talking about it. And that's Carl Setzer, Commodity Risk Analyst with AgriVisor. When the Russian invasion first began, commodity prices shot up significantly. But Setzer says the ag markets have since stabilized. It's definitely been muted here. And the reason being is the knee-jerk reaction was, we're not going to get any wheat. That's where 20% of the world's wheat supply comes from. Corn shut off. And now, here 12 months later, it's the opposite. Matter of fact, there is so much grain flowing out of that Black Sea region, mainly Ukraine, into the European Union They want it shut off because it's just killing their domestic market. Setzer says that the war's impact on Ukraine's corn and wheat exports weren't nearly as dire as first predicted. More of the crop got out. More was harvested last year. We're going to see some decent production this year. Now, it's not going to be back to pre-war levels, but it's going to be enough that when we add it into the rest of the global supply, it's going to be a fair amount. So, We're starting to lose that little bit of interest. But he also says that the war is still creating huge challenges for Ukraine's grain exports. Now, vessel loadings have slowed. It's an issue there. Only two and a half vessels being cleared inspections per day. Some chatter that Russia is going to shut down the corridor. I don't think Russia is going to do that. Russia is upset with the sanctions against them, and we knew they would be. But the thing is, Russia doesn't want any new sanctions either. So that's going to help keep that corridor open. Sets are adds that the ag markets have also stabilized because of the expectations that this war could last for quite some time. This could be a long, drug-out war, and when you have that, the market does tend to just kind of look away after a bit. That has started to happen here, barring some huge black swan event. And when you're dealing with countries like Russia and Ukraine, you cannot rule them out. Grain exports out of Ukraine are down nearly 29%, 
compared to the same time last year, right before Russia's invasion. I'm C.J. Miller. There is a huge shortage of veterinarians. I don't think I've ever seen as many opportunities for veterinarians uh, in my whole career as, as we have now. That's Dr. Willie Reed, Dean of the College of Veterinary Medicine at Purdue. He says it's not just a shortage of veterinarians, but also veterinary nurses and technicians. Reed hopes that their new state-of-the-art facility on campus, the David and Bonnie Brunner Purdue Veterinary Hospital Complex, will encourage more young people to consider a career in the field. Reed says the facility that they moved into last May and June is very spacious. And it allows us to add uh, technology that we have not had. Also, it provides a safer environment for our students, our faculty, and for our clients. And uh, it also allows us to, uh, in the future, expand our class size. And we're very excited about that. And it also supports clinical research. And so we're glad about that as well. The new facility appears to be drawing more interest. Reed is pleased to say that they have more applicants to the School of Veterinary Medicine than at any time in their 62-year history. So this year, uh, we we are selecting 84 students from a total uh, applicant pool of 1,750. And that 1,750 is about double the number that we had Uh, of applicants we had about uh, four years ago. So there's a lot of interest in veterinary medicine by young people and a lot of interest in students wanting to come to Purdue. (laughs) Hear my full conversation with Dr. Willie Reed at HoosierAgToday.com where we discuss what they're doing to encourage students to pursue large animal medicine and the shortage of vets in rural areas. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Your Friday? Cool, for sure. We've uh, slipped in here with Canadian high pressure now, and that means temperatures are a little bit below normal. Some areas of the state may struggle to get much out of the 30s here as we move through the day today. But we are going to see temperatures moderate a little bit as we finish out the weekend. We see dry air in here the next three days, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Mixed clouds and sunshine with clouds increasing later Saturday, rather Sunday afternoon. And that's going to be ahead of our next weather system, which shows up here early Monday and continues through the day. It's going to be a big one in terms of rain. Right now we're looking at anywhere from a quarter to one inch of rain with coverage at 100% of the Hoosier State for Monday. And then we are going to be seeing potential for rains exceeding the top end of the range in a few spots. Uh, We're mostly looking at northern Indiana and southern lower Michigan there. We get dry for Tuesday and stay dry Wednesday, Thursday with a mix of clouds and sun all three days. Clouds build Thursday afternoon and we have another big rain event coming next Friday that brings rain to start. But a lot of cold air ready to surge down in such that I would say we need to be concerned about wraparound backside snow, and some of it could be a little bit on the heavy side. So that's what I'm watching. Track of low pressure is going to be key here to this event. 
but rain and snow, the liquid equivalent, anywhere from a half to one and a half inches again. So significant moisture. Behind that, we get chilly to finish out that first full weekend in March. March seems to come in like a lamb at midweek, but we get really active as we go into that first weekend. So heads up. That's the way your forecast is stacking up. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. It's the Dairy Download Podcast presented by American Dairy Association, Indiana. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Lance Summer is with Summer Farms Incorporated, which is a dairy farm in Adams County in northeastern Indiana. He and his family milk Holsteins and Brown Swiss dairy cattle, but Lance says they also teach young people about the dairy industry by inviting kindergarten classes from nearby schools for tours of their farm. You know, these cows are huge compared to them, and that's always their first reaction is how big they are. Some questions over the years that you almost have to laugh at is, where does strawberry milk come from? They might see a red and white cow and think, hey, is that where strawberry milk comes from? So over the years, we've had some really funny questions, and hopefully we can educate these kids a little bit better. Lance says the reason he enjoys giving tours today is because he remembers the tour that his mom and dad gave to his class when he was in kindergarten. I can still remember that day to this day of how proud I was. The kids always knew that I was maybe the farm expert at our school. So if they did have any questions, they could come to me. Lance adds that it's more than just teaching young kids about dairy cattle and milk production. It's also about teaching the importance of the nutritional value of milk and dairy products. Milk has 13 essential nutrients that we need to drink every day. So anytime that we can educate our youth and teach them a little bit about milk, yogurt, ice cream, cheese, we try to take that uh, opportunity and, and do so. Read more about the educational opportunities that are available for Indiana students through Indiana's Dairy Farms at winnersdrinkmilk.com. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. This has been the Dairy Download Podcast presented by American Dairy Association, Indiana. Corn and soybeans, again, sell off. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Farm Market Review. It's brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct, big enough to get the top corn and soybean genetics you want and small enough to care about you. There's more at SeedGeneticsDirect.com. Corn futures let us down on Thursday, and at the end of trade, I checked in for market analysis with Mike Silver. He's with Kokomo Grain. Mike, the weak corn market got weaker after about the middle of trade as the dollar went from weak to turning higher. Also, the ethanol stocks report showed an increase, and it seems as though maybe corn reacted to both of those. What else? Well, you nailed it on those two fronts. Uh, we did start out this morning just a little lower, and, and basically uh, we're trading, you know, not too too badly, too, too, too much lower until we got to mid-session, and then Boy, it has started to, to decline pretty rapidly right now, and, and corn is the downside leader right now, especially in the March contract, new crops down to nickel. Uh, in addition to what you talked about, uh, the EIA report, we did have last week an increase in corn usage to make ethanol. Stocks were up, but average daily production was up in ethanol last week, too, so at least we have that going for us. But the annual USDA Outlook Forum is taking place today and tomorrow in Arlington, Virginia. And first thing this morning, they released the uh, Grain and Oil Seeds Outlook 
which incorporated uh, some estimates on acreage for this coming year and also uh, some initial balance sheet projections. And the uh, corn acreage came in at 91 million acres compared to last year's planted and harvested acres of 88.6 million. The soybean acreage came in at 87.5, which matches last year's 87.5. The wheat acres came in at 49.5 million acres, and last year we were at 45.7. So total planted acres in the U.S. for those three major crops uh, right now is forecast to be 228 million acres compared to last year's 221.8. Some of those acres, obviously, uh, from prevented planted acres and some expiring um, conservation reserve program acreages and so on and so forth. But that's that's the initial set of numbers that came out from the uh, from the WASD this morning. Uh, if we look at the corn balance table, they incorporated a national average yield for this coming year on that 91 million planted acres of 181.5 bush, bushels to the acre. And that would amount, if realized, to production of 15.085 um, billion bushels, which is which which is up obviously from last year's 13 billion 730 million. Um, ethanol usage uh, in that balance table was left the same. They did, uh, for maybe some hard to understand reasons, did increase the export projection uh, on the usage side to 2.2 billion bushel, and that's up from 1.925. And the explanation that they put in there is they think that uh, the Ukraine and Russia situation will result in more favorable export uh, corn business for the United States. The ending stocks projection with those numbers is 1.887 billion bushel, and that compares to the current this year's stocks estimate of uh, – Ending stocks estimate of 1.267. So that's a 600 million bushel increase in the export, or excuse me, in the ending stocks projection. And that would take our stocks to usage ratio to 13% compared to the 9.1. Now, the seasonal average farm price, and, and this is something that uh, folks should uh, start to think about uh, pretty strongly. Um, $5.60 a bushel compared to this year's 6.70. So that's a dollar and 10 cents lower national average cash price projection. So that's going to if it if it doesn't cause people to think about, you know, where they stand in terms of the old crop that they've got sold and and where they put offers in to start selling new crop, uh, in my opinion it should. Uh, of course there's a lot of time a lot of time yet uh, in this marketing year, and this is just the first initial reaction. But it does look like today that in the corn market in particular, um, we have failed the 50, 100, and 200-day moving averages in the March corn futures. And right now, the uh, market hasn't closed yet as we're talking, but I'm showing March corn down 15 cents right now. So uh, from a technical standpoint, uh, that's pretty good jolt uh, in one day's action. But it is one day's action, and and it is the market's uh, perception of what's going on um, in that corn market, as well as the other major player uh, that's affecting the markets uh, is the the tension, if you will, the anxiety, uh, the risk attitude toward the geopolitical issues uh, between the United States and 
China and the United States and Russia and Russia and Ukraine. And uh, there's there's some jittery nervousness about that. And as uh, as we've seen with uh, the president's surprise trip uh, in the in the dark of the night trip to Ukraine uh, over the weekend and and now his uh, his talks in Poland um, and Russia's response to that and China's response to that, um, that has managed money uh, a little bit concerned. Uh, also, uh, we got the rhetoric out of the Fed yesterday from their last talks about interest rates and adjusting interest rates and attitude toward inflation and on and on and on and on. So not only geopolitical issues, but uh, Global economic issues and U.S. economic issues uh, are in play in the market, at least today. And tomorrow will be a brand new day, and, and who knows for sure what tomorrow will bring. It'll be a new day, and uh, perhaps today is a knee-jerk reaction to, uh, to what has happened um, and what's been disclosed today. I want to talk just a minute about the soybean numbers uh, the yield on that acreage of uh, 87.5 million planted projected is 52 bushel an acre. That's a 4.5 billion bushel crop. That would bring the ending stocks up to 290 million bushel. Still pretty tight from a historical standpoint at 6.5%, but it is up from the 225 million bushel ending stocks projection at a 5.2 stocks to usage ratio. Uh, that we have going on uh, in our current crop. Uh, again, buried in this is the seasonal average, national average cash price forecast. And this year, um, it's 1430. And in this new balance table, they're using a $12.90. So that's a pretty sharp decline um, in the national average cash price for soybeans. So, so once again, I think one of the... Uh, hidden messages in some of these numbers that came out today is uh, folks should take a look at where their positions are in both their old crop that remains to be sold and in where their uh, offers are and where their percent sold is in the 23 crop that's going to start going into the ground here probably sooner than we think, Andy. It's the 23rd of uh, February, and with that thought in mind, the last thing I want to say is that we have just a few more days in the uh, price determination period for the crop insurance decisions, uh, the February average of December corn futures and the February average of November corn futures. By the time we talk next week, those numbers will be, they'll be done, they'll be set, and uh Farmers need to evaluate what their crop insurance plan is going to be for 2023 as we face uh, the set of challenges and opportunities that await us in the coming marketing year. Analysis from Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain. Mike's number is 800-666-0613. On the Hoosier Ag Today, Thursday market review settlements, March corn 660 and a quarter, dipping 13 and three quarters, 15 cents down, May contract 659 and a quarter, and July goes to 650 and three quarters, down 13 and a quarter. Soybeans off over a nickel, five and a 
quarter down on the March, 1534 and a quarter, and May, 1527 and a quarter, seven and a half cents lower. Late in trade, a bump for the wheat market. March ends a penny and three quarters up at 738 and a quarter. Meats were mixed, but mostly higher. April live cattle, 165.32, up 25. April lean hogs, 86.20, down 35. Deferreds up just a little. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.